supposed to be green? Or is it on? Am I on? Yeah, just check it for me. Just to make sure. Oh, I think I'm on. I think you're on. I am on, I hear. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Hey, guys. Oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I still can't believe I was here and don't remember. <laughs> he said, good to see you again. And I, I just thought he was joking. <laughs> he said, Jim, don't do that to me. <laughs> he said, no, you were here. I, I couldn't have been. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think it was on the heels, apparently, of a power and love. I don't know. It must have been a fast week. Amen. Well, I'm here now, and I'm going to remember it. Amen. <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> so, uh, wow. So, yeah, School of Kingdom Living, Kingdom. I mean, we hear a lot of definitions. We get a lot of teaching. Uh, kingdom, King's Domain. You hear a lot of something that's always worked for me. I'm going to throw it out for you. Uh, just the manifestation of the king, the, the demonstration and expression of the king is, is what I've always saw the kingdom to be. It's, it's the manifestation of God and who he is how he thinks, his motives. Motives mean a lot to me. Holy Spirit has taught me a lot about motives in my life and the why behind my life. You can do a lot of things, but there's a reason why you do it. And if it's for yourself, you won't see the grace of God on that thing, and there's a lot of labor. You can do things for his name, for his glory, for the sake of others. There's, there's just, there's a way that God is. And we, we find that through Jesus, we find that through the gospel, through the cross, through scripture, and then we start to recognize that's exactly why I'm on the earth. So I want to talk to you. I'm going to come out swinging a little bit here. I can feel that in my heart. I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about why the gospel, and, and I know that might sound s silly and simple, like, well, we know why the gospel, but as I travel, I realize that people don't have strong intention. Uh, they want to go to heaven. Being forgiven is amazing. Who knows that if you believe you're forgiven, that's amazing. It's a bummer if you're forgiven and you don't believe you are. That's a bummer. So, <laughs> so how about believing the mercy and goodness and love of God tonight? All right? Like thinking your stuff is greater than who he is is a flat-out lie. Like why you were yet a sinner. God sent his son. Amen? So he loves you and he wants to love you, so it would be good for you to let him love you. But I, I just, the scripture, right before I got up here, I just, I just thought, wow, uh, I want you to see something. It's, it's Ephesians 3. I just want you to understand something, that a lot of times people come to God. This is what I've learned just over the years. Got saved in 95. I just feel like I've been an active Christian for, since then, and uh, just aggressive and going after him, and, and, and you're around a lot of people. You counsel, you share, you hear. You're just around, and you learn that there's general mentalities. Is that fair? general mindsets that I believe are very limiting that God wants to destroy. Like a lot of people don't even realize this. They become a Christian for their own sake. Who knows God's a provider? Who knows he's a protector? Who knows he's a blesser? Who knows he's good? But that isn't even why I come to him. I have to come to him for why he came to me through Jesus Christ. I want to, Paul said it this way, I want to lay a hold of that which Jesus laid a hold of me for. A lot of us never really consider that. We don't think that Jesus had intention in obtaining me. We just come to him for favor, blessing, provision, and protection. 
And if you only come to God for those reasons, you'll stay self-focused, self-centered, and all your prayers will revolve around you, how it's going, how it isn't going, and what you wish would happen and what you wish wouldn't happen. And your whole life and journey is just going after God for your sake. And all of a sudden, your disposition, your excitement, your expression is all connected to how it's going. So who you are and who you're revealing to be is all determined by how it's going instead of who he is. Are you all with me? Man, we got to have a really clear, aggressive motive. And, I, and I, I don't know if it's fair to apologize on behalf of leaders, pastors, teachers, but I, I feel like since I've been saved, since 95, in my life on the earth in Christ, since 95, I, I feel like I've noticed most of the motive of our preaching is for our sake and not his great name. And I feel like there's a strong focus on what about me instead of what about him. Like if you got that understanding, you'd be done with offense. You'd be done with unforgiveness. You'd be done with bickering, backbiting, discouragement, frustration. And you'd never buy into the truth that those things are normal. You'll recognize they're never the kingdom. And that understanding alone will empower you to live that way because the spirit of God in you is ready because it's who he is. Are you with me? So if God can change my motive and change the why in my life, my whole life is already changing. But if I'm a Christian for my sake and I wake up for what he can do for me, then I'm dictated by how my day unfolds and how it seems like he did for me. But if I wake up to be more like him, and I wake up to shine and walk in the light as he's in the light, now my motive is crystal clear and I'm on track with why he sent his son. Are you with me? Come on, he did not send his son so I can get forgiven and, and go to heaven when I die. That's a piece of the gospel. Heaven wants to come into me so I can walk in the light as he's in the light. So the things he did, I can do because I believe. Are you with me? Not just because I'm aggressive. Are you really with me? <laughs> I actually feel... A little aggressive out of the gate here. <laughs> I feel passionate about what I'm saying. The gospel's changed my life. I feel like it's made my eyes single, and I understand why I'm here. So I'm not touchy. If you're touchy, you'll be touched. Who figured that one out? Yeah? If it's he said, she said, and tit for tat, there's always somebody, and somebody else is the reason you're why you are who you are. And yet we say he's Lord and he governs our life. And yet what somebody said or did seems to matter more than why we're here. Don't mess that up. Don't mix that up. Don't muddy that up. Don't make it all about what one person said if it ain't Jesus. Don't say, well, you don't know what I've been through. That's a dead giveaway. I understand we go through challenges, but what he's been through gives me a right to stand in a truth and walk free in the face of it all. Why? Because I love not my own life unto death, right? I've denied myself. I've picked up my cross, and I'm following him. We haven't presented the gospel as much that way as we have him for us instead of him in us and through us. So I've noticed there's a lot of discouraged Christians, and it's unscriptural. No, it's unscriptural. Discouragement isn't normal. It's not the kingdom. Let me, quote, let me quote Hebrews 12, 3 for you. Consider him. Who are we following? Who are we looking unto? 
Who's our living example? Who's the revelation of the Father? So who are we looking to? Looking unto Jesus, right? Consider him. That's actually right above this. Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Consider him, Hebrews 12, who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, least you be weary and discouraged in your soul. In other words, if you don't consider him and learn from him the motive in life and the eye he looks through and the way he lives and where he lives from, if you don't consider him and catch that, you'll think you have a reason to be discouraged. It says, consider him who endured such hostility against two. See why we deny ourselves? Least you be weary and discouraged in your soul, which means there's an eye to live through that never permits weary and discouraged to be a real thing. It's hard to preach that today in the church because people say, brother, you need to keep it real, that's high-minded, everybody goes through, and, we're all, and all of a sudden we're relating to ourselves and our own experiences, our highest truth, and now we can't even receive grace that changes me through believing. Are you with me? Don't let your human experience trump the grace of God that's here to change your experience. Don't say, well, this is how we all are. Well, everybody has their moments, brother. No, that's why you have yours and aren't convicted when you do because you believe it's normal. But if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, then it shouldn't be in our life because our lives are in Christ and Christ in us, the hope of the manifestation of God. Are you with me? Like, how can I walk in the light as he's in the light if I'm not looking through the light that he is and lives in? This is all part of kingdom. Look, i got to show you the scripture in Ephesians. But I quoted Philippians for you. Paul said that, 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 that his pursuit is to know him. Not to be blessed by him. To know him. His pursuit is to know him. That I might... Well, when you and I look at Paul, we're like, dude, you already knew him. Like nobody knew him more. He was taught personally by him. I mean, it's fascinating when he writes out the Last Supper in Corinthians. Did you ever find it fascinating that he lays it out just like it's in the Gospels, but the Gospels weren't written? Just fascinating. That God's just sitting there and he's just penning and God's revealing and Jesus personally teaching him. That's phenomenal. And yet his heart cry is that I might know him. Know him what? In the power of his resurrection. In the fellowship of his suffering. I don't want any shortcut. Man, I want to know him because I want to live in him and I want to manifest him. I want to know him. He says, I haven't apprehended. That means he's on this quest. He hasn't apprehended. He said, there's one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. And I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. Why? So that he can lay a hold of the very thing that Jesus laid a hold of him for. When I saw that years ago in my Bible, I realized that God the Father has great intention in pursuing me, apprehending me, saving me, and filling me with his spirit. It's not so I can pray in tongues alone. It's not just so I'm blessed and my vats and barns are full and I'm protected. I want you to be very encouraged tonight that there's a high purpose and motive in God, that means, like, who comes to him unless he's drawn by him? Do you ever find that in your Bible? That no one comes to him unless he's... So why would he draw you? Because he wants you. 
Why would he want you? Because he loves you and has intention in that love. So I don't want to be a Christian for my sake. I'm not here to survive. Please don't be here to survive. We already won. You're looking at a guy, you can call this arrogant all you want. You're looking at a guy who's never going to die. I'm never going to answer for my sin. They've been washed away. What was red as scarlet is white as snow, pure, holy, blameless in the sight of God. If indeed I continue in that hope in which I first believed and was taught. Now, unfortunately, no pastor ever taught me that, but I didn't know Pastor Don right out of the gate. But no pastor ever taught me that. I found that in my Bible, that I'm holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Not positionally, theologically. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in his sight. Whoa. So if that's how I look in his sight, I ought to see myself that way. That's not arrogance, that's belief. Come on, humility receives, pride resists. Oh, well, you know, that's speaking more highly of ourselves. No, that's speaking less than what God's word says. And it's a form of false humility, which is pride. So if he says he loves you, guess what? Oops. So why are we fighting his love and coming up with reasons he can't? Because we identify ourselves through ourselves instead of what he created us for and what he sees us as through his son. So all of a sudden we're looking at ourselves and evaluating our life through our life instead of through his life. And now you're letting your childhood speak louder than the gospel. You're letting what your family implied speak louder than you're letting what your peers said in school. And all of a sudden you got all this story. Now we need all this ministry to heal all this stuff. No, just get over here on the truth. And realize there's a higher view of you than anyone's ever known because nobody ever saw the real you. But God has known you from the beginning and there's a time to be born. So you're calculated and on purpose. There ain't an accident on the planet. Yeah? But we grow up real quick at a young age thinking we don't fit. Born out of due time. Should have never been born. I'm an accident. And all of a sudden, we're nothing more than a product of how it's been and how it went and how I responded, and that's me. When there's a person here hidden in Christ that God has never lost sight of, that is loved and wants to surface on this earth, not wait till that day. He wants you to manifest the truth. You know that the Christ in you is the hope of the glory of God. The glory of God very simply, I mean, there's, you can go into a three-day conference on the glory of God. But the glory of God very simply means the manifestation of who he is. Any manifestation of who he is is the glory of God revealed. So the Christ in you is the hope of God being seen, known, and realized. The Christ you preach? No, no, no. The Christ in you. That's why you consider him who endured such a silly. Why? So your life is a manifestation and representation of who he is. So we don't just sing about it. We show it. Are you with me? Why? Because I found in my Bible, you're the light of the world. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's the light. Now, you're the light of the world. So let your light so shine before men. Why are you the light of the world? Because the light lives in you. And you better believe it's him, but he's in you. Yay. Are you with me? 
Come on, like this is better than he said, she said. Well, I feel, well, that really hurt. Well, I can't believe, well, how come they always, well, they're doing that on purpose. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that in Jesus. I've never seen that in the kingdom. I've never seen that produce an ounce of life. I've actually seen it give people permission to stay where they are and where they are is in Christ. So it can't be the truth because the truth brings freedom. So the last thing I need is an alibi for not looking like him. (laughs) When I'm called to believe and follow him. Are you okay with that? Is that okay? I'm smiling and laughing as I'm telling you this. At least I'm not being mean. (laughs) Come on, I didn't come to spank you. I came to tell you who you are. And to start thinking for the kingdom and think like the kingdom. And think like he thinks. Look, he never gave up on you. That's enough to tell me I should never give up on you. If I'm giving up on somebody, then I'm outside of God. If I'm stereotyping and marking people for what they did, I'm missing God horribly. Just because men do that, it's not who he is. Just because I did it growing up, well, I grew up without him. I'm born again. Old things passed away. All things are new. I'm a new creation. I got promises, great and precious, exceedingly abundant promises, that through them I partake of his divine nature, escape the corruption that's in the world through self-seeking. Oh, I read my Bible. Oh, no, it's in me. Come on, a lot of us are just looking for the promises to get what we need instead of manifest him. This is the reason I have these exceedingly great and precious promises that through them I partake of his divine nature. I'd rather have his divine nature than a full vat. I'm not against a full vat, but that shouldn't be my goal. My goal is his divine nature. The goal of our instruction isn't protection, isn't believing for provision, the goal of our instruction is love. 1 Timothy 1.5, it's right there. The goal of the commandment, the purpose of the commandment is love. Through a pure heart, a a clear conscience, and a sincere and unfeigned faith. The whole goal of our instruction, the whole goal of everything we're purposing to accomplish is that we all end up manifesting love. Not needing it, being it. See, here's the deal. God made man with intention and with a purpose. God and man were one, and that never changed where God's concerned, but that sure changed where man was concerned because man didn't just sin. I'm not shelling this for you. Man didn't just sin. He took on the nature of God's enemy in the garden. When he did what God said to never do, everything got perverted. And he got separated and cut off from the source of love, the source of life, from God himself. Who knows this is scriptural? He got separated from the very source of love, and instead of being in his image and being love, he was instantly reduced to needing love. Now, everybody in this room was born into Adam, Romans 5. It's there. We were all born into Adam. So we were born in the deficit that Adam experienced through sin and separation. We were all born needing love. We had no identity. None of us had a clue who we were. Some of us, unfortunately, even in Christ, are still trying to figure out who we are in the flesh, naturally. Instead of finding out who we are in Christ. 
Come on, there ain't a person in the room that doesn't relate to this. When you were little growing up, you needed attention, you needed to be valued, you needed support, you needed to feel important, you needed to know somebody cared and loved you, and most of us didn't get half of what's on that list. You became molded by that and shaped by that, and in a very short time, you were nothing more than how you responded to how it happened. And that became your story. Oh, you know I'm telling the truth. But here's why. The whole time, not one of us had a clue who we were. And all of us desperately needed love. Why? Because we were cut off from the source. Christianity, people, is getting grafted back in. It's being joined back to love and back to the source of love and being loved by the only true source of love. It's not being loved by your peers, your family, and your friends. It's being loved by Almighty God who created you in His image to love like He loves. So when I come back to God, I'm not coming to God just to be loved by God. I'm coming back to God to be transformed in the very thing He intended and created me for to be. That's kingdom. The gospel of this kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom preached everywhere. We preach a gospel of go to heaven when you die. Not Christ in you, the hope of glory and the manifestation of him. Come on, we haven't preached really strong on just walking in love and becoming love and never again taking account of a suffered wrong and not seeking your own. Come on, if you weren't seeking your own, you could never be discouraged. If you weren't seeking your own, you couldn't be hurt, offended, angry, and mad. Dad, stop coming up with a reason to stay the same when it ain't him. How much account of a suffered wrong does love take? How much? None? Then why are we busted up by each other? Because we haven't pursued to become love. We pursued, we pursued to be blessed, provided for, protected. And some of us have such a Wrong believing in this thing that we can even get disappointed with him. And that's a dead giveaway that we're Christians for our sake and not his great name. He said to Ezekiel, he said they went out everywhere. And everywhere they went, they profaned and misrepresented my name. No matter where they went, they profaned my name. You know what I'm going to do, Ezekiel? I'm going to pull them all back, draw them all back. I'm going to put a new heart in them. I'm going to put a heart of flesh in them. I'm going to put a new spirit in them. And I'm not going to do it for their sake. I'm going to do it for my great name. Do you know what we have the great honor of doing? Bearing witness to who he is. By a born again experience. Born again. Dying to everything we've ever been so we can live to everything that he is. It's the most freest, most amazing, most incredible place that we could ever be. It's called the truth making you free. It's not your circumstance that's changing. It's you changing. It's you looking through a new eye that's not this wide. It's narrow. It's not, yeah, but it's okay. I see it now. You get it? See, if your eye's single, your whole body's flooded with light. It doesn't say unless your best friend just did what you knew they'd never do. If your eye is single, your whole body's flooded with light. Unless you just got treated wrong, betrayed, and, and burnt by people in leadership. If your eye's single, 
Your whole body's flooded with light, period. It says, if I see clear, I'll be clear. Why? Because it's never about me again. My well-being's in him. And the reason I'm on the earth is to manifest him in every situation. So when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? See, you didn't say juice. You said orange juice. Why? You squeezed an orange. It'd be strange if it was apple. Why isn't it strange when you squeeze a Christian and get everything but Christ? Wonder if the enemies learn to just squeeze people to find out why they're here. What they're believing, what they're motivated by. Wonder if we're just to squeeze away from being exposed to a motive that doesn't manifest him. Because every time I step out, every time I get close to God, all hell breaks loose. Well, I don't even know every time I witness, then I have to go through some kind of trial. Who's ever heard that stuff? Who's ever heard people talk like that? Who's ever told somebody what they need to do and in two weeks you needed to do it? <laughs> Am I telling the truth? This is a war. This thing is real. There's a war. It's darkness against light. And you get to walk in the light as he's in the light. Not just get blessed by the light and protected by the light and provided for by the light, but be the light. And light is greater than darkness. So there's really no war when there's surrender. I'm feeling a little aggressive right now on that. There's really no war. There's just victory. He's far above. Man, the spit's flying. I see it in the light. <laughs> flying. You ought to sit right here. This thing will get on you. I'll just rub it in. Paul said, I want to lay a hold. Now, I'm, I'm not challenging you. I'm just asking you a sincere question, and you be real with your own heart. Have you ever even considered something like that? Laying a hold of that which he laid a hold of me for? Or is all we've been taught in maybe some of our lives is he just loves us and wants to forgive us so we can go to heaven when we die. He wants to bless us, provide for us, and protect the things we care for. And now you just set up Christians to be discouraged when none of that goes the way you just said. Because it was never a promise that all those things would go the way you hope and need. Most people don't have need. They have wants. They want things to go a certain way. They want to be treated a certain way. They want people to act a certain way. But he's my shepherd. I shall not want. I heard a very wise seasoned man of God one time tell me a long time ago. He said, Dan, if you ever want to run Holy Spirit out of a meeting in a room, just, just with the music right, get up with a whisper voice and say, God is here to meet every one of your needs. He said, that's the last reason he's here because most people's needs are wants. And their needs are dictating their disposition, their joy, their output. And it's a form of idolatry. He said, he's not here to meet all of our needs. He's here to make us more like him. So there probably should never be another discouraged Christian in this room. Because <laughs> we're believers. And I'm not going to let what one person didn't do or did do trump what I'm here for. I'm here to overcome evil with good. I'm here to shine as a light. I'm here to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the issue driven. 
Are you guys good? I hope so. I'm smiling the whole time. Do you see how loving I am <laughs> and kind in my delivery? I'm like samurai in you. <laughs> With a smile. <laughs> With a smile. No, it's so awesome. Like, the most awful thing to do is be a Christian and not die. Like, I've seen a lot of Christians not dead. Die, please die. Just die. So you can live. Because you can't live until you die. And you can't bring in what you were to what you are in him. You can't mix the two. The wineskin has to be new to contain the wine that's new. You can't put old wine into the same way of thinking, the same motives in life, the same perspectives, the same wisdom of the world. You can't put new wine and expect it to be held by the same old thing that we were. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense to my heart. So I'm just, I'm just saying, man, the first step to living kingdom is to understanding what kingdom is, what God intended. He, he wanted to pay for us to get back and reinstate it into original purpose and destiny and everything he's ever desired. He's always wanted to live in me. He's always wanted to walk with me in the cool of the day. He's always wanted me to manifest his image and his nature. He wanted to reproduce himself after his own kind and cover the earth with his glory. What's he say? The psalmist is puzzled. What is man? What is up with man that you're so mindful of him, that you would visit him, that, that you would give him dominion over the works of your hands? What is up with this man that you'd make him your crowning creation and glory? You see, he has a purpose for man. And because love never fails, that never changed. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you ran, no matter if you ran after you knew you shouldn't run, he hasn't changed. Your value, your purpose, and your destiny is the same. And the blood of Jesus is speaking a way better thing. I added the way in there because that would be my translation. Who knows the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing? I just think it's a way better thing. Did I tell you I needed to read something here in Ephesians? Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. Didn't I tell you where? Okay, that's good. You weren't just waiting all that time. Yeah, you were. You were wondering. <laughs> you know what's cool? No matter how long we take to get there, when you read it, it's the same. Man, I got saved in 95. I've been reading this book. And every time I open it, it's the same. It's the same. Who knows that life changes? Who knows that things change, circumstances? Who knows people can change? His word remains the same. So if I live through a single eye and I stay the same and I stay in his truth, his precepts, his principles, and I stay in the why, the why behind my life and keep it clear, that thing stays single. Like, I wonder if you wake up in the morning and you're sincere about this. You wake up in the morning and you're just privileged to have life in him. And, and you have life in Christ, and your whole reason for being on the earth is to shine. 
come hell or high water, done wrong, done right, your whole reason's to shine. See, because when you're betrayed and you live betrayed, you don't understand what I'm preaching. When you're done wrong and you live done wrong, you don't understand what I'm preaching. Now, I'm not saying it's cool to be done wrong, and I'm not saying there's not some ramifications and things that have to take place to get out of being done wrong. Sometimes your well-being's in jeopardy. Sometimes there's... I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying letting what you've been through dictate your heart. Because if that was possible, Jesus would never die on the cross. And he told us to follow him, not sing to him and pray to him when we're overwhelmed. I'm just, I'm not being smart. He said, follow me. Not just sing to me and pray to me when you have a list. He said, you follow me. And the things I do, you'll do an even greater things. Because I'm going to my father. You get that? So if I can't find it in his life, I don't ever want it in mine. I know some of us have been through things that nobody should go through. And I'm, I'm sorry. I mean it. We all have stories. Some of us, the stories are way worse than others. But we all have. But it's not the point. The point is the answer. The point is heaven and the kingdom of God is at hand. Look, we could go over here with this dear lady and start with her story from the beginning. She could share it. We can go right down the road through the whole church. It would be nasty, painful, ugly. There'd be a lot. You'd be amazed at some of the stories in this room of what we've been through. And then what, what do we do when we get to the end? All we do is locate who's been through the most hell. And then we can't even reach them because we can't relate and they won't let us because we aren't in their shoes. Why? Because the story becomes the identity. So maybe we need another story. Maybe we need to put off the old and put on the new. And maybe it ain't about what we've been through and what's done to us and you know how many years and they did this. I understand. I'm not being insensitive. Some of these things are traumatic. But the answer and the truth is way greater than the traumatic. If we believe. We all have a story. You look at me. I'm aggressive. Can you see I'm serious about what at least what I'm saying? Can you tell I believe it? Or I'm just a good actor all these years. I'm more convinced than I've ever been. I know you've heard me say this, Pastor, over the years. I say, the way you see me, you'll see me this way or worse the next time because I'll know him a little more. Here I am in the year 2023, more adamant, more convinced, more sure than I've ever been. Why? Because I know him at some level. And what I've always said I believe, I believe. And what I've always said I know, I know. And it just keeps... Oh. Yeah, you're out of your mind. I might be out of yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you look at me, you can't tell. My background. You can't tell my story. You can't tell I was touched inappropriate when I was about age four. You can't tell my dad was alcoholic for 20 years of my life and never said I love you to this day. Never heard that out of my dad's mouth. You can't tell my mom was sick 40 years that I carried her to bed, changed her diapers as a young man. 
you can't tell that. You can't tell my son ran off in drugs. My daughter made some bad choices. That my wife went in identity crisis for eight years and almost lost her life through it. And was in in a and had a violent seizure and was in a coma with severe brain damage in a hospital. You you don't see none of that. All you see is a sincerity, a love, and a passion for God, who He is, and why I'm here. Why? Because none of those things in that story have anything to do with who He is in me. Are you with me? So none of that stuff dictates my disposition, my outlook, my enthusiasm, and my view of God. Because if your view of God ain't clear, those things change him even more. And now you're disappointed and you can't pray anymore and you're mad at God because he let so-and-so die and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, it's a dead giveaway. It's been all about us the whole time. And all of a sudden, he's a busboy and a table waiter, but we just haven't called him that. And all of a sudden, he's here to serve us instead of us manifest him. Now we're disappointed subjects. Man, don't you let yourself get diminished to that mentality. Self-centeredness is a wretched thing. It's the biggest problem on the planet. It's not politics. It's not wars. It's every day people are made for God's image and every day they wake up and live for themselves. The bigger tragedy is if the church gets caught doing it. And now you're a Christian for you instead of him and others. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all you are. And the second is like it. They're married. The second is like it. It means they're the same. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And love your, as your, well, that's a paradox. Because wonder if you don't even like you. Now you're taken right out of the great commandment. Now you're going to see people the way you see yourself. Because it's a law, it's spiritual. You love your neighbor as yourself. That's why people are in an identity crisis. So they can never see the value of others. That's why people have a hard time receiving the love of God. It's demonic war. It's trying to keep you under a a, a lie so that you can never get a good, clear view of your neighbor. You love your neighbor as yourself. The healthier your view is of you and God, the better look you have of people. And all of a sudden, you see the value of every person. All of a sudden, it's not pick and choose and first impressions and their personality is attractive. I'll stay away from them. You say, well, brother, don't people get under your skin? No, I got new skin. It came with the gospel. You say, people don't get on your nerves. I got brand new nerves. No, it's true. I'm loving my neighbor as myself. And for the first time in my life in 95, I looked in the mirror and loved who I saw. I saw somebody that was created for his image, that was loved by him when he was living unlovable, that gave him life when he deserved nothing. And put himself in him. And I looked in the mirror and saw somebody that God loved and valued and treasured the whole time that I didn't have a clue. And never changed his mind. And on my darkest day, he still thought the same of me. Why? Because forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Well, if he made me for his image and I'm following him, then that ought to be in me. And if his love never fails, then mine ought to never fail. Because I'm living by the spirit and don't fulfill the desires of the flesh and it ain't about who's right and who's wrong it's who's like him so i ain't picking a fight that would be silly and i'm not being arrogant 
devil in God knows what I'm saying. I trust you do. I'm not afraid of a fight. I'm not picking one, but I ain't afraid of one. So go ahead and squeeze me. Are you hearing me? See, if I was being arrogant, I'd have been run over a long time ago. Oh, yes, I would have. If I had a wrong motive in what I'm saying, I'd have been run over a long time ago. What I'm saying is when you squeeze a Christian, Christ ought to come out. It ain't about everything going the way you hope. It's about whatever it goes like, he manifests through you in the midst of it. And when you're done wrong, you don't act, live, talk, done wrong. You don't spread, done wrong. You manifest him because you overcome evil with good. Yeah. And you never let love fail because love takes no account of the wrong done to who? To the love. Why? Because it doesn't seek its own. You see the importance of denying ourselves, and that self is the biggest wretch on the planet? That every day people live for themselves when they're made for God's image. That right there is the simple problem. And then when you live for yourself, intellect gets involved, human mind's involved. Now it's intellect, now it's precepts, principles, now it's just man's mind. He said, anybody in this earth that thinks he knows anything let him become a fool so he can then know some things. Ain't that something? He says, anybody that thinks they know anything in this life, let him first become a fool. In other words, throw it all away so he can then become wise. Yeah? So we're not conformed to the world. We're what? So the transformation is an effort. It's not diligence. It's not hard work. The transformation is a change of mind. Oh, my goodness. Seeing it is the whole deal. I'm, going to, I'm trying to read this. I'll get to it. Paul says to make all see. A great light came. We were all in darkness, and light came. Truth shot out of the earth. Like, he came to give sight to the blind. Like, he's the light of the world, Jesus. Paul said he's anointed to make all see. Pastor prayed a revelation and knowledge and understanding. He's praying Ephesians prayer, right, in the beginning. That's, that's really the battle. The battle is seeing and getting a single eye and seeing who he is and who you are in him and what you're here for. And I'm not talking about missions, children's church, homeless. I'm talking about shine. You can let all those things take the place of knowing him, you know. You can let ministry take the place of knowing him. You can serve the homeless and not walk in love. You can have offense in your heart. You can do ministry because you're frustrated and discouraged. <laughs> Don't think a lot of churches haven't started because men are mad. No, it's true. Somebody ought to talk about it. Everything's having children. Everything's having children. Everything is trying to reproduce. The Lord told me one day, everything has children. Because I had discouragement in my heart, and it was producing a desire. And instead of facing what I was discouraged with, the desire was causing me to run. 
And the desire sounded spiritual, so it had to be God. So I'm asking God to send me to the mission field and send me to any nation and give me a nation. And it sounded really awesome in prayer, I'm sure. And when I was finished praying, the Lord said, so you'll go where they're hungry and you'll go wherever. I said, yeah. He said, my son laid down his life for those who despised him, rejected him. He said, you put your heart where my son's is and we'll talk and about these things. And I began to cry because I knew he was correcting me, but I didn't understand. And as I was crying at my bedside, he said, Dan, you need to see you're, you're discouraged with the people you're pastoring because you believe they're spoiled and don't appreciate righteousness. He never said I was wrong. No, I don't think I was, but I was letting it bother me and making it all about me. So I was letting a fact dictate my heart as if they owed me something. When God's just loving them and I'm offended at them because I've labeled them as spoiled, selfish. All they want is his provision. He said, Dan, your discouragement is inspiring your motive to go to the mission field. Has nothing to do with me. He said, if I let you go to the mission field because I honor my word and you know my word, I will show up there. People will get saved, healings will take place, and my word is true. But every time it would happen, you'd look over your shoulder at what you disdain and say, see, it wouldn't happen because, and they just, and look, and he said, the more I'd move here, the harder you'd get there. And at the end of your journey, it would look like you have a resume of fruit. And the whole time, it was at the cost of your heart. He said, don't you ever forget, everything has children. And me going to the mission field was the offspring of discouragement. And it looked spiritual and sounded spiritual. And not none of it was God. Ain't that something? Man, you can hide behind your gifting. You can hide behind your calling. You can, have it you can let anything, if you're not careful, take the place of knowing him. But those things aren't what changes your life. Knowing him does. And the whole goal is to know him. Oh, that I might know him. What's eternal life? Our name's in a book of life? No, thank God for the Lamb's book of life and our names are in it. But that's not eternal life. Eternal life is knowing him. Come on, that came from Jesus. He ought to know. <laughs> we make eternal life a thing when it's a relationship. Are you guys okay? Look, I'm camping in this tone. Why? Because everything about the kingdom starts right here. And if we don't get this thing clear and, and nail it in our heart, we're going to do a lot of things that look kingdom and get a lot of bruises, bumps, and, and things along the way. I, I've been in ministries. I've been, I did a pastor's conference. And I was going there. And these men were pastors longer than I was saved. And I'm like, what do I say? And the Lord said, tell them the gospel. <laughs> I'm like, they're pastors longer than I was saved. Tell them the gospel. They might probably know the gospel. Here, you tell them the gospel. And then he said, and tell them the lie they've believed their whole life in ministry is in fact a lie. And I wasn't totally sure what that lie was until I got up front. And then I saw the lie and I spoke it. And I watched white-haired men just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. 
because they did ministry at the expense of themselves and cost them all this stuff and people and things and heartbreak. And so they're like going through ministry like it's part of the call. Instead of going through selfless and all about him and for his glory and walking in love. And when I began to preach this stuff, life came into these elderly men. And they just wept and cried and wept and cried. That was their regional conference. They wanted me to do the, the main national conference, but they, they wanted to test me out in the regional. <laughs> I, I found that out later. <laughs> so I passed their test. I had a man that was old enough to be my grandfather at the time, just couldn't stop crying. He said that was the most profound and powerful thing. Oh my gosh, I lived my whole. But these men, it was like God was so merciful and gracious, they weren't sitting there with regret. It brought freedom to them. That the, the truth alone was bringing healing to their hearts. Instead of, well, I did ministry my whole life. Not many people really appreciated it, but I know a lot of people used and abused my time. And blah, 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 blah. And you know what I'm saying? But they're like, well, we still did the call. And God was getting that out of them then. I watched them cry good tears. It was healthy tears. How about if we read Ephesians 3? <laughs> to me, to me, verse 8, whom less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Man, unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all... So what I'm, what I'm not seeing is not good. Do you know how we grew up here and what you don't know won't hurt you? Do you ever hear that? Well, what you don't know, it's such a tragic lie. It's from the pit of hell. The Bible says what you don't know is destroying you. So we get the knowledge, we can stop destruction. Did you ever hear, don't get your hopes up? Hey, that'd be great if it happened. That's a self-protecting phrase that people don't want to see you get let down and hurt. That's a self-centered thing. Oh, it'd be great, but I wouldn't get my hopes up. Please don't get your... The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the anchor of your soul passing through the veil into his presence. The Bible says, get your hope up. And we grew up with a language that says, what you don't know won't hurt you. Don't get your hope up. Hey, what you see is what you... The Bible says what you see is subject to change. It's never eternal. What's unseen is eternal. Don't ever live by what you see. It's subject to change. The things unseen are eternal. But yet we grow up, what you see is what you get. Do you hear a difference in the language we were trained by in the language of this book? Well, you made your bed. You got to sleep in it. My Bible says he made me a brand new bed and now to get out of that old filthy stinky one and get over here in the good one. I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm getting what he paid for. Well, I brought this on myself. Okay, so be self-righteous and stay there if you choose. But how about getting out over into here into redemption and freedom and healing? Well, I should have never stuck that dirty needle in my vein in the first place. No, you're right. You shouldn't have, but you did. So tell him you repent. You ain't going to do it anymore because you see your life has more value than a dirty needle and the thing that it brought into your bloodstream has no right to change because you changed. And if he ain't going to judge where you've been, then where you've been shouldn't be judging you because he makes all things new. And that's how that thing comes out of your blood because you don't identify with it anymore because it ain't your identity. 
and you didn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. And you made your bed, and you sleep in it. Get out of that bed! <laughs> you sleep with Jesus one night in bed, you'll stay in that bed. Woo! And I ain't talking some weird thing. He said, sleep with Jesus. I'm not talking the world's language. Stop watching soaps and stuff. I just mean in the bed with. I'm in his bed. He made a bed for me. It sets me free from everything I've ever done, everything I earned and deserved. It's grace and mercy triumphing over judgment and where sin abound. Grace has come greater. Yeah? And I'm just not ashamed to say he loves me. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, you know what I see? Woohoo! When I look at you, you know what I see? Woohoo! Why? Because I love my neighbor as myself. <laughs> this thing is working. Because I know if he loves me this way, he loves you like this. If he sees me this way, it's the way he sees you. You just ain't seeing he sees you that way. And all of a sudden, I have faith for you and I have patience for you. And you can't get under my skin because I have new skin. And all of a sudden, I'm not weary in well-doing. And all of a sudden, love doesn't wax cold where lawlessness abounds. Ain't that something? The Bible teaches this stuff. Lawlessness is going to abound and the love of many is going to grow cold. Well, I thought love never failed. So somebody must have took something personal on that one. He said, enough is enough, and I ain't going to be nobody's doormat, and this is too far, and God doesn't expect me to put up with, and he doesn't, you know, I got one little life to live, and he doesn't. <laughs> oh, I've heard the counseling out there, and it ain't God. Because if he believed those counselors, you wouldn't be sitting here with his spirit in you. You'd be on that cutoff list. Are you all all right? I hope so, because I feel so happy. It's ridiculous. I'm like, Lord, I hope they're okay, because I feel exceptionally happy. (laughs) I really feel good. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) But I feel really excited about the gospel. And don't come to me later and say, boy, you sure stepped on my toes. I ain't stepping on nobody's toes. I'm just telling you who you are. So if that shoe fits, kick it off. Say, man, I should have never had that on my foot in the first place. No wonder my foot was stinking. <laughs> all right? Okay. And make all see. See what? What is the communion, co-union, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. That means this thing has always been there. This purpose has always been there. And he wants to make us see what was always there from the beginning. And guess what we do? And I'm not being sarcastic and mean. And we preach, pray this prayer so you can go to heaven. And we just preach forgiveness. Forgiveness is amazing. It's essential. It's incredible. But it's what's necessary to invite me into what Paul's talking about. It's a mystery. It was hidden. All this time. And now the cat is out of the bag. I'm not really a fan of cats. The dog's out of the bag. I'm sorry. Don't not love me because I said that. I'm just testing your spirit on that one. 
Because if you just cut me off, you didn't hear a thing I said the whole night, man, over a cat. You sold out over a cat. Gee, what do you love more? That's why some people love cats so much, because they're so hurt by people. That's why they have four dogs, six cats, three mice, and a hamster. Because this stuff will never hurt me. It's unconditional love. And you say you're a lover of animals. I think you're more hurt by people most of the time. Yeah? Ooh, that went over really well. <laughs> yeah. You go back to Hebrews 10, you go back to the law, we'll find out how much you love your cats. When your sin cost you your cats, about six sins in, you have no more cats. <laughs> you got one little hamster on the wheel. <laughs> and you turn on your computer and he stands up on the glass and his eyes twitching. Oh no, the computer. Conviction comes, now you got hammy, you're going down into the basement to the table. Come on, if you lived in that covenant, <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <laughs> Find out how much you love your animals. <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing right now. <laughs> no, we'll recover. We're recovering right now because we're at this place. Watch this. Watch this. The communion, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Uh-oh, verse 10. This is the gospel he's making all see. Why was this thing hidden? And why is it being revealed now? To the intent. That means God has intention and purpose and meaning. To the intent. But are we thinking this? This is my challenge to us tonight. Not a correction. Just are we thinking this way? Or are we just trying to get through life and use God so life's better and provided for and protected and the things we care about are safe? Are we actually thinking the intention of God and laying a hold of what he laid a hold of me for? Are we actually thinking to shine as a light and walk in the light as he's in the light? Are we actually thinking to wake up to shine and become love? And nobody, watch this, nobody owes me a thing. Because I owe no man anything but to love. And love doesn't seek its own. So it's not I love you if and I love you when. It's just I love you. Come on, that's all a marriage should be. What if you woke up and you were so secure in Christ and you so understood your calling that you woke up and you just released your spouse from anything obligatory and your spouse didn't owe you a thing because you were just blessed to be alive and walk in love and shine and just bring the best out in them. And wonder if they didn't owe you a thing and wonder if they had that revelation. And wonder if your marriage was just totally secure because of Christ. And because you just woke up to love and to shine and to manifest him. Wonder if, wonder if you had the synergism of that in your marriage. And you had two in a home that actually had that motive instead of tension on the way to work. And I can't believe you said that. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, good morning. Well, you didn't seem like you said good morning from your heart. I mean, all this stuff. <laughs> silent treatments. Come on. I know because I used to not be saved. You saying if I have silent treatments, I'm not saved. I'm saying you don't have a revelation of your salvation. 
Because the self-centered emotional stuff, we do silent treatments in marriages. You just, good morning, honey. Come on. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you're making sure they know you're not. And then you leave that way. And now it's even more tension when you come home. And now it's up to somebody to break that. Or feed that. That's just a revelation right there that we don't know Jesus like we could. Even though we lift two hands in worship. When we need to manifest him, we're manifesting us. Come on, it should just be an indictment and it should be a conviction to my heart that, oh my goodness, I should never live at the expense of anyone because love lays down its life for everyone. So see how twisted everything gets? The opposite of love is living at the expense of. So when you put pressure on your family through an attitude, you're living at the expense of your family. You're not adding life to your family, you're making a draw on life. When you storm to your room with an attitude, you force them to have to respond to you. And no matter how right you think you are, you're living in unrighteousness because you're not producing life, you're demanding life. Come on, somebody ought to just talk about this stuff and get real. Because love lays down its life. The opposite of that is living at the expense of. Well, you started it. Well, you should have never said, well, I wouldn't if you didn't. Well, how come? Well, I guess it's just always my fault. Come on. God never taught us that. So where'd we learn it? And just because it's all we've ever known, we call it normal. But it's not kingdom. Why are you preaching this, Dan? Because it's not kingdom. You're calling this a kingdom school? That's not kingdom. Yeah? Love is patient. It's kind. Man, it suffers long. Bears up under all things. It hopes and believes the best in everything. Love's amazing. Come on. And when I'm preaching like this, don't you elbow your spouse. Because if you elbow your spouse, I was talking to you. Your elbow proves it. And if you elbowed him back, you're both in the pot. <laughs> no, it's true. People elbow, man. They're listening to the sermon for somebody else. I hope, he, I hope she's listening. Why is she distracted by that gum wrapper? Yeah, yeah. Look, she's digging in her purse. What is she looking for? She shouldn't even be on her phone. He's preaching. This, he's talking to her. This is distraction. You bind, I bind you, devil. You're distracting, devil. You get off of my wife. That's what people do. When they hear stuff like this and they don't even realize what they're doing because they're so used to thinking for themselves. That they think it's normal and they've already talked to their four friends about their spouse and what needs to change. And their four friends think they're being spiritual because they prayed together and said, hang in there. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm messing up. You want to take over? You came here, man. You want to take over? <laughs> no, I'm not looking for applause. I'm just trying to regroup here. <laughs> I feel like I'm messing up. Isn't it good to get challenged by some of this stuff? Sometimes it just gets so easy to live the way we've lived, but it doesn't produce life. And then we do the church thing, but we're not producing life. I'm not being, 
I'm not being legalistic. I'm just being real. Like, I've noticed, who noticed the importance of going to church and you grow up and you feel like, man, we got to get to church? Who knows? Who was a young mother? Who became a young mother here and you were like, man, my children are growing up in church. I got to get to church. You know, you get, you might not even be going to church and then you have kids and you're like, conviction. Now I'm living for some kids. I'm getting them kids to church. Who knows what I'm talking about? And we make it about going to church. But watch the paradox. If you go to church but don't pursue living Christ, you don't even realize you're doing this. It's not evil. It's not wicked. It's just deception. We inadvertently teach our children that church attendance is Christianity instead of Christ-likeness. Because now church is something we do instead of Christ is something we be. So now we're still fighting at home, arguing, hey, everybody has their moments. Keep it real, brother. We're all going to have fallouts. It's just working through the stuff. That's the language I hear. But wonder if you had a choice to never participate in a fallout. Like, wonder if you said in your heart your spouse could never move you to tension because you didn't wake up for your spouse to live for you. You wake up to shine. And you set that in your heart and you prayed that into your motive. And you wake up to walk in love and walk in the light, period. See, because if I didn't do that, when my wife struggles in her identity for eight years, and I'm a full-time pastor, and she won't even come to church, there's challenges in that if you don't know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, you're praying stuff, God, if you don't change her soon, I can only own soul to own so long. God, I'm going to break if you don't move. You say, eight years, why does time have the ability to change truth. When truth is what makes us free. Do you see the war we're in? Do you see what you're being distracted by? Time taking you off the answer. Time getting you to throw away your only freedom that comes through truth. So if I don't understand this and I let my wife's scenario give me justification for my reactions, now I have an alibi for the rest of my life to guard my conscience and conviction because if you'd have been through what I've been through, you might not even made it as long as me. You'd understand the hell I went through. Oh, I'm going to keep it real. And if God had that mentality, he ain't sending his son. While you're yet a sinner. And making him who knew no sin to be sin so you could get free. Yeah. So I guess I have one response towards my wife when she's in trouble. Because see, when my wife is living that way, doesn't she need a revelation? Does she need Jesus? Does she need the truth? Does she need love? Does she need Jesus, people? Well, guess what? He lives in me. So now ain't the time to be a frustrated husband. Now's the time to be like him. Because love never fails. But if my identity revolves around how she treats me, and my identity is driven by need, and marriage is 50-50 and a lot of work, <laughs> marriage is I love you. <laughs> Oh, boy, this feels good. No, that's sitting. I feel that dropping. That's convicting. Mary's not, I love you. You love me? Love you. You love me? You didn't sound like you mean it. 
Say it. Say it stronger. Come on. No, no. Look me in the eyes. Tell me you love me. <laughs> That's trouble right there, buddy. <laughs> Marriage is very simply, I love you. And most of the time, it doesn't need said. The reason we have to say it all the time is because we're all craving it instead of being it. So words carry the weight so you can live like hell and say, I love you at the right time, and it wins. And after 10 times of that, then a person finally says, I'm tired of you doing this. You always say you love me. And ah. Come on, I've seen all this as a pastor. There ain't nothing I'm saying that you don't know what I'm saying. We've lived enough life to see these scenarios. We're on the earth for the kingdom of God and go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah? Where's the kingdom? It's in you. That means who he is. Who he is. His motives, his precepts, his wisdom, his nature, his person is in you. The kingdom. Ain't that something? To the intent, the intent. So now we're back to the intention of God. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, that's the many falseted, sighted wisdom of God, might be made known by who? By the church. The ones that used to be held captive and prisoners to self-centeredness. Now we've denied ourselves. We've picked up our crosses. And we follow him. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We're sanctified and set apart. It doesn't make us holier than thou. That makes us like him. Yeah? That the manifold wisdom would be made known by who? By the church. Guys, this intention will never be fulfilled if that isn't our motive. If we're just in this for what we can get from him, we'll never become more like him. And we'll be moved by circumstances. And our circumstances will be our story and ultimately our identity and dictate our encouragement level. Are you with me? The manifold wisdom of God be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. This is a big deal. You're a major player in God's intention. According to his eternal purpose, it's the eternal purpose in which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see that this is total purpose in God? Now, I'm just being honest. No one, and I didn't know you, Pastor Jim, in all due respect, no one has ever taught me this. Nobody's ever said, this is why I'm saved. In my whole life, I never heard any preacher tell me that this is why God sent his son. To put his image back inside of me. To get his spirit back in me so I can manifest what he put me on the earth for him. So I can walk in the light as he's in the light and shine in the earth. Nobody ever told me that. They just told me I should try to do better and not be as bad as I used to be and consider God loves me. Stay in church because you don't want to not be in church when he comes and nobody knows when he's coming. You better be in church. I'm like, wonder if he comes and we ain't having service. (laughs) No, that's how a kid thinks. Come on, who's had this understanding? Who was brought up with this stuff? It's already accomplished. It's his eternal purpose. In whom we have boldness. Man have boldness. 
go ahead and have access with confidence through faith in him. He's so for us and not against us. Yeah? He says, look what he says in verse 13, and I'll just finish with this. He says, therefore, I ask that you don't lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. In other words, just see by the way I'm taxiing through all these tribulations and staying steadfast to the cause. Just see that as a sign and receive it as glory and go ahead and be encouraged by my life. Was Paul getting pummeled for the gospel? Did he just keep on preaching? Did he just keep on getting pummeled? Man. So he's trying to teach them and say, look at my life and realize I totally believe this or I wouldn't be the way I am in the light of what I've been through. You see? He says in Timothy, he says, I endure, therefore I endure all things for the sake of, you think he'd say Christ. He said, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Whew. Why? Because he wants to be a living example. Of everything he's writing. Ain't that something? And then he says in verse 14. For this reason. For this reason. What we just read. It's, this is in light of what we just read. For this reason. I bow my knees to the father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And then he prays that we be strengthened. And he prays. Out become in love. In a revelation of love. Ain't that something? He says, for this reason, I bow my knees and pray that you become one with love. Man, this is where the kingdom starts. I believe it's where it stays and where it finishes. I believe if we get off this, we'll do ministry instead of do him. I think there's tons of doing ministry going on. I think there's tons of people hurting leadership. I think we're calling hurt normal. I think we're wondering why they're hurting. We're justifying and saying, boy, they've been through a lot. No wonder they feel that way. And we're actually qualifying things. I want to encourage you to get back to following Jesus if you're not. And if you are, let's keep following him. Because my life's in him. And I found this promise in Galatians. And it's hard to preach in today's church, but it's in the Bible. So I'm going to preach it. It says, if I live by the Spirit, that means truth. It's not spooky if I live by the Spirit. <laughs> if I live by the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you go ahead and ask your heart what you're in this for. And you go ahead and say, am I in this for what you can do for me? Or am I in this for how you can make me more like you? Because I want to walk in the light as you're in the light. And I want to love like you loved me. When you don't receive his love, it's a paradox. Then you're not impacted by forgiveness and his love to love others that way. That's why so many people struggle with receiving the love of God. It's a war. It's the enemy trying to keep you from the thing that's going to make you so free. Ask the Lord, why do people have so much trouble with unforgiveness? He said they don't realize the beauty of how forgiven they are. Because when you understand you're forgiven of everything you've ever done, there is no way you'll judge a man and see a man for the thing he's done. 
In fact, Matthew 18 says that's an evil and wicked servant. And I don't believe I'm talking to a room of evil and wicked people. I believe it's usually the things we're not seeing and understanding. I'm not talking to a group of hypocrites. I'm talking to his kids. Yeah? So if you ever see the beauty of being forgiven, then forgiveness is all you ever want to do. Yeah? You don't have a clock anywhere, do you? That's frightening. No, Pastor Jim, you just freaked me out. I'm trying to discern the time, and the only thing I hear is late. <laughs> Phew. People were leaving. Well, I know it ain't my message. It's too good. You ain't leaving my message. You're just leaving because you have to. <laughs> Let's do something before we close out tonight. Let's pray for the sick. Can we pray for the sick? Can I tell you why I'm encouraged to pray for the sick? Because of the forgiveness of sins. I actually see the marriage of forgiveness of sins and healing of disease. Like he came to forgive us of everything we've ever done. And it takes over the effects of everything we've ever done. It's like sin entered the earth and man died. And because all men sinned, all men die. But guess what? We're going to live forever. And he says, and even though you, if you die, yet you shall live. And he who believes in me shall never die. And then he says, you believe this? Doesn't he say that? He says, you believe this? He's asking if you believe that. What actually over the years has motivated me to pray for the sick is because I believe he's our redeemer and he lives. And salvation means healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, and kept safe and sound. The healing of the sick, I've always seen directly connected with the forgiveness of sins. Is any among you sick? Let them ask for prayer. Have the elders of the church pray a prayer of faith over them, anointing them with oil. And the prayer of faith, not the oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will Raise him up, and if he's committed any sin, it'll be forgiven. What's he saying? To be healed is to be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. What's he saying? To be forgiven is to be healed. To be healed is to be forgiven. They lower a paralytic through the roof. You know they didn't lower the paralytic through the roof to have his sins forgiven. They're not even thinking that. They lowered the paralytic through the roof to get him up so Jesus would heal him. You know that. So they go to the extreme of tearing the roof off. Jesus is such an amazing teacher. He's so amazing. You've got Jesus. You're so awesome. They learn this. And, and instead of just saying, wow, you guys, what good buddies he has. Is they, I see your faith. I don't even care if he has faith. I see your faith. Get up. You know what he said? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. What did they do? The whole room. He says, why do you bicker and debate and think evil things in your heart? What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven to rise and walk. But to show you the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, go ahead, get up and walk. What do he do? Directly connected forgiveness to rising and walking. Even as Moses lifted the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Making it just like, even as, so shall. 
Yeah, it's still the medical symbol today, the serpent on the pole. I was not, I was months saved in the Lord. Months. I, was, I, was, I couldn't have been a year old. I'm sitting on my bed reading this, and I'm like, so I backtracked, I cross-referenced, went to Numbers 28, I read the whole story. I was so perplexed. Pastor, I sat on my bed, I said, Lord, I don't understand, though, like, why would they make a bronze replica of the serpent and put it on a pole? Why wouldn't he raise, like, Aaron's rod that budded, wave a flag that says y'all? Just do something that points to God. Why would you make a serpent, a replica, and raise it on a pole? And it was that anyone that looked at it was healed. If they were bitten, they were healed. It's what it says. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit hits me with the revelation. He said, they're Israelite people. They know the Levitical law. They know anything hanging on a pole has been cursed by God. So they asked Moses to go tell God they're sorry and please stop this thing that's biting and destroying them. Would you go please talk to God and tell him we're sorry and would please ask him to just change all this. So when Moses lifts up the serpent that's biting them in a replica of the serpent on a pole, what do the Israelites do? They look and go, oh my goodness, God heard Moses' prayer. The thing that's been biting us has been cursed by God. Faith rose in their heart and they were instantly healed. Even as so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. What's the point? What's he want you to do? See a suffering Savior or see sin cursed in the flesh? So sin shall have no dominion over you. For the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What am I supposed to see on the cross? Not just a suffering Savior. Not just the forgiveness of sins alone. I'm supposed to see that God curse sin in the flesh. And the thing that was killing me, he's put it on a pole. And those that look and see were instantly healed. You see the marriage? Even as, so shall. In numbers, nobody prayed for nobody. They just saw the thing that was killing them was cursed by God, and that was enough. Faith came. Why can't we, in this New Testament gospel, look at Jesus and see that he who knew no sin was made to be sin? And he was put on a pole. Why? Because when he was made to be sin, he was put on a pole because God was cursing anything hanging on a tree. What was hanging on a tree? His son or sin? What did he curse on the cross? His son or sin? Yeah. You ought to get this. And all of a sudden you understand you're clean, you're forgiven, you're free. You're not eating the fruits of your labors. You're eating the fruit of his. You're in covenant with God. You're one with him. And what he paid for is the dividends you receive. It should be that as we look to him, anyone that was bitten by this thing called sin, healed. That's why we pray for the sick, because of the forgiveness of sins. It reveals to me God's desire to redeem and restore. Are you with me? So let's pray for the sick. Y'all willing? Don't tell me what time it is, because this takes a little bit of time. Don't, yeah, I gotta quit looking for a clock. Oh my goodness. Well, if we're here for the morning service, nobody will be late. And I won't let you fall asleep and fall out of a window. I don't know what Paul was thinking. I don't know how you preach and let somebody fall asleep when you're preaching. 
I will hear God for your name and call it out and say, I hope you're praying. <laughs> when you pray for the sick, it's very, listen, the number one reason I found that Christians don't pray for the sick in their personal life is because they're afraid nothing will happen. I used to think it was a theological crisscrossing, just not sure about the will of God. And I used to think it was their theological, like that was stumbling them. But I found over the years, I feel safe to say this, the number one reason I found Christians don't pray for the sick in their personal life, they're afraid nothing will happen and they don't want to be in that position. Well, that's a self-focused paradox because if you never pray for the sick, then you always have what you're afraid of. Are you with me? So I want to encourage you to pray for the sick because the Bible says these signs follow those that. And when you fail to pray for the sick, you're actually saying, I don't know what I believe in that situation. But when you do believe, you'll get your hands on somebody. Yeah? Because he lives in you and he wants to move through you. Fair enough? So when you pray for the sick, I, I, I can't stress this enough. This is something I've been doing for years. The Lord has me do it. We're going to do it tonight. So I'm just going to teach this thing out and we'll do it as I teach it out. Who's ever prayed for the sick in this room? Yeah? That's amazing. That's a good show of hands. Let's keep praying for the sick. Amen? There's some great teaching out there. I know Pastor Jim teaches on healing a lot. I have a friend that told me, hey, I see you're going to this church. I told him I was never here. <laughs> I told my friend I was never here. <laughs> he loves you. He said, he said, he's amazing teacher on healing, man. I am really tapping in. And boom, boom, boom. He, he watches you. He listens. And he Gave you some very, just high remarks in regards. It was good. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to meet him for the first time. And uh, <laughs> sorry, man. I just hate that. <laughs> Still, I just can't believe that. So, so this is something the Lord has me everywhere I go. Like, you'll know, if you've prayed for the sick, you'll know when I say this, there's, a, there's a, just a chuckle in the room because we know what I'm saying. Like, when we go to pray for the sick, what happens most of the time with people, the average Christian person, most of the time, it's happened to me so many times, used to, is your focus shifts on your prayer. And now you, your, your biggest focus is what you're going to pray, how you're going to pray. You want to pray right, powerful, and anointed. And we're trying to pray right instead of believe. And I'm just telling you, it's not works. Nobody gets healed because of your prayer. There ain't a person on the earth that has ever gotten healed because of your prayer. It's your faith in him and his finished work. Watch. Be whole is plenty. Just be whole in Jesus' name. It's plenty when there's a revelation of what he accomplished. But we find ourselves trying to pray. We even change our voice. We put on our intercession tone. Father, I come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And you don't even talk like that. But you're just ready to pray, so you put that on. Am I telling the truth here? And, 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 and then we get into works. See, that's works. And it's actually what shuts things down. Because if somebody's getting healed because of your prayer, we ought to learn from you. You ought to start a prayer college. We ought to all get 4.0s before we try anything. Be whole in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be free. Father, thank you for your love. I've hugged people and seen them healed. Never even said nothing. You're just talking about why God heals and you see some people get healed. We got to get to a place where it's never what we do. 
It's straight up what he did. And our faith is in him in that finished work. And all we can do is sincerely represent that truth that we believe with our heart. And that's why we're praying. I honestly believe it's that simple. And I believe if we keep it that simple, we'd be encouraged to continue to stay that simple. And we'll see some mighty amazing things. I have watched lots of people get thrown by their prayer and try to pray better, more powerful, and right. So tonight when we pray, I'm gonna, we're going to all participate tonight. I'm just giving that away. We're all going to get involved because this is about empowering and training. But I'm only going to give you because I love you. I'm only going to give you about five or six seconds to pray. Because nobody can get in trouble. <laughs> nobody will get self-conscious. You can't even get self-conscious. You can, five, six seconds, man. Just speak to the mountain. Boom. And that's it. We're done. We're not going to have any music as great as worship will be. We're not, I'm going to make the room as dry as I can. Because we're always looking for atmosphere. And atmosphere is amazing when it's God. But when you need atmosphere, it's probably unbelief. The atmosphere is the kingdom, and it's in you. I'm not denying atmosphere. There, I've been in atmospheres. I've been in things where God's just doing things. You can't even explain it. This is God overtaking the atmosphere. But how often has that happened in our lives? Versus how many times we can live by faith. So tonight, we're just going to live by faith. I'm going to make the room as dry. It's my gifting to make the room as dry <laughs> as I can make it. and be under zero pressure because I can't produce a thing and just believe him who is amazingly good and you watch and see what he does in the room okay so here's what we do when we pray for the sick there's there's two situations you'll run into lots of sickness two situations people that would know if they're healed because they have tangible symptoms impairments bone on bone you know what I'm saying? You have symptomatic stuff, people that would know they're healed. You got a blind eye, you got a deaf ear, you got a growth, you got something. So people, there's people that would know, but there's people that wouldn't know. They have internal stuff, they have stuff found in x-ray, they have stuff that's maybe causing them things that comes and goes, and they found out, oh my gosh, it's this or that. You know, you got women, they go for their, their annual checkups, and they find, oh my goodness, I have this growing on my ovary, I didn't even know it. You know, that kind of stuff. But you pray, you don't know if you're healed, you have migraines. They come, but you don't have one now. You see what I'm saying? What you need to understand, they're both the same as that faith. They're both the same as that God's love. And they're both the same as that finished work of Christ. So don't favor one. Don't like press into the ones like, I want to pray for the ones that I won't know if they're healed. I feel safe. Some people do this. No, I've been around. I've, I've watched what people do. You have to be so sincere when you pray for the sick. Believe in God loves people. And the work of the finished work of the cross is, is enough. And Jesus heals people, period. So when you hear somebody talking about, man, I'm just glad I don't have a migraine. Man, they knocked me out for like 24 straight hours. I thought I might have one today. I'm, it's, it seems like it's due. It hits me pretty regular. And I haven't had one for I thought to, today it was going to hit me. And I'm just so glad. Who's ever heard somebody talking like that? Work, marketplace, grocery line. Man, just tap them. Hey, couldn't help but to overhear what you said. Listen, sincerely, I just, I'm going to be straight with you. Man, I'm learning and growing and praying. God's changing things. He's doing stuff. Man, please give me the honor. Don't say no. Let me pray for you, please. And just believe you never have another migraine. And when you don't, you're going to know it's because we prayed and because of him and he loves you. You just be bold and just speak it out. Pray with him. Right? 
don't run from them because their head's pumping. And don't say, I don't want to pray for that. I'll pray for one that doesn't have it yet. And we'll pray they don't get it. But, it, but we've heard people talk like this. You be real simple. You just pray. Man, I, I do this stuff a lot. I hear people talking. I fly a lot. So I'm sitting, people talking all the time about their hardship stuff, challenges. You're sitting in a seat. You're waiting for your flight. And you just spin around. I can't even tell you how many times I've done Excuse me. Hey, ladies. Couldn't help but to hear you. I'm sitting right here. Listen, I just want to do something. And I always say, and please don't say no. Don't say no to what? Well, just don't say no, okay? <laughs> and they'll be like, say no to what? I want to pray for you. And they'll go, I say, don't say no. And by that time, they won't say no. They're like, okay. <laughs> they just don't say no. I, I, I hardly ever hear anybody say no. And I say, listen, I just want to make it, nobody even know what we're doing. Father, I just thank you for your amazing love, et cetera. Sometimes it's just that quick. If they ask more, if they want to know more, if conversation, you know, then that's, that's a no-brainer. You know, because people say, why don't you, did you lead them to the Lord? Well, I'm giving them the Lord. I'm sowing a seed. I'm watering something that maybe was already sown, but God's going to bring increase, right? So, so they, they, they get healed, their pain leaves or something. They're not going to not connect that dot. Holy Spirit's amazing. So don't feel overwhelmed like you've got to cover all these things. There's, you, you just find where grace is in people, conversation, and where people are. And some people will re- jump in the boat. Some people are ready to get saved. Some people just see your faith and appreciate your sincere care and when you walk away they let down their guard because there's nothing in it for you and that touches them I've seen all the above yeah so let's just make sure we're getting involved with people so tonight we're going to do this this part quickly is there anybody here you'd have a condition in your body and if you were healed there's no way there's no way you could testify symptomatically you wouldn't be able to check your body and say wow you just have to have faith in your heart and time would have to tell or a test or something but you have a condition And if you were healed, you wouldn't have any way of knowing tangibly because it's something internal or that comes and goes. I need you to stand to your feet real quick. You'll be able to because it's not symptomatic. Stand to your feet. Please. And please, 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 let's not come this far and not go all the way. Please don't stay in your chair for any reason if you fit this description. And don't call that faith. Just stand up, please. You're not claiming it if you stand up. You're saying there's something in my life. That's not the way God created me. I believe it needs to go, and I believe he loves me. I believe he wants to heal me. Yeah, I believe healing. I want healed. Stand to your feet. The only reason I'm waiting, because I'm waiting on somebody. Why am I waiting when I got all these people to pray for already? Because this is real, and God's about to show up, and don't you stay in your chair. Yeah? I just need a couple more. Thank you. I'll know when we're ready. I'm a very good fisherman. I shouldn't have to go fishing on this one. No, no, and don't tempt the Lord and say, well, if he calls out my thing, I'll say, you should already be standing. Stand up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm hearing two more. Come on, two more. Don't hold up the room. Thank you. Come on, God loves you. That's why I'm hearing two more. Come on, we got so many people when it's late. We wouldn't be waiting for two more if this thing weren't. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I knew there was two more. (laughs) No, see, now I feel happy and good and ready to roll. What I need you to do if you're sitting near them, we're going to do this really quick and simple. What Jesus did isn't quick and simple. Jesus did all the work. We have this thing of sincere believing. 
So if you stood up tonight, here's what I want you to believe. If you stood up tonight, look at me right now. And I want you to believe this one thing tonight. I don't want you to say I'm trying to receive. Pray in tongues hard. Just, just do this one thing tonight. Settle in your heart. Settle in your heart. God, you have to love me. Or you'd have never sent your son. Period. And let that be real for the rest of your life. And don't let circumstances. And don't let trials. And don't let anything change that truth. You have to love me. Or you'd have never sent your son. Thanks for loving me. Would you do that in your heart tonight before we pray for you? And just receive that he loves you? Or Christ would have never been crucified if he didn't. Come on, that's life-giving. If you're sitting near somebody that's standing, just tap them, touch them, squeeze the back of their elbow. Don't violate them and smother them. Just tap them, touch them. Just get a hand on somebody if they're standing, please. I don't want anybody standing that doesn't have somebody believing for them. Don't pray yet. We'll do this as a family. It's going to seem too simple. But you watch and see what happens in your life and body. And I know you won't be able to tell right now, so it sounds easy for the preacher to say that. But as you realize you're healed and find out you're healed, I don't know, communicate with this church, somehow get on there, whatever. I'm not a technical guy, but Facebook or something, and just say, hey, I was at that service Friday. I stood up in the first group and didn't know, but I found out I'm totally healed. You ought to let somebody know. That's why these testimony walls, it just encourages that God is moving and he'll move again. God is doing things and he'll do it again, right? So I want you to do it that way. Here's what I want you to do. Has everybody got somebody? You're believing what? He loves me or he wouldn't have sent his son. Would you do this right now? Would you just pray this over that person? We are not even asking them what they stood for. I don't even feel like we need to right now. Just say this. Be made whole in Jesus' name. No more symptoms. No more sickness. In the name of Jesus, be completely made whole. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, yeah, that is good. That's exciting to me because I just know what God does in these little moments. Okay, grab your seats quick. I'm trying to move on. I know I'm late. I'm sorry. This is a conference thing. What? You know, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not. I am, but I'm not. I don't know. Okay, now listen. If you can hang in here, hang in here. I know it's late. Oh, man. If you got sickness in your body, but there's symptoms and you would know. Is there anybody who wants prayer tonight, but you can't stand it's hard to stand or you can't stand. Oh, so you can't stand. Okay, just because his voice sleeping. Is there anybody that has a situation that's forbidding you to stand, that you can't stand physically, and you maybe in a wheelchair or something because it's hard to see everybody. There's a lot of people. Just If there's anybody that would prefer to stay sitting because it's hard to stand or you can't stand, I need to see who you are first just so we don't lose you in a minute. No? We all good? Okay. If you're sick in your body in any way, you have a situation that's symptomatic that if you were healed, watch, without exaggeration, you'd be able to check that thing and know if you were healed or not because you'd be able to test it. You'd be able to do something that you weren't able to do. You'd be able to bend, move, whatever. You all following me? Rotator cuff. You know, you say, man, I could only go this high. But all of a sudden, you'd be able to check it. A situation like that in your body, I need everybody that fits that description that has sickness in your body that, or, 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 or degeneration or something that if you were healed, you would absolutely know it because your body would tell you, stand to your feet, please. Don't take a long time. Just stand to your feet and let's do this thing. Please stand to your feet.
You're not claiming sickness when you stand. What you're saying is you're asking, saying, I'm going to believe for prayer because I believe God loves me and he wants to heal me. You're not, you're not claiming sickness. Somewhere that snuck in the church somewhere. And, and I get in churches every once in a while and people aren't standing and they're like, well, I just don't want to claim it. You're not claiming it. You're saying this thing is not the will of God and I want it out of my body. Amen. See, you could never do James 5 if you were claiming it. Is any among you sick? Let him ask. How could you ask if you're claiming it? It's not, it's not the truth. Come on, we got everybody? You need to stand? Oh, don't make me go fishing. You going to stand up? I got two people sitting. You still, it's two. You still, you got degenerate knees. Your knees aren't, aren't well. Your knees are hurting you. You didn't stand. You've been prayed for before, probably. Something like that's going on, but I need you to stand. Your knees, if you ran, if you ran up steps, you would know there's a problem, but you weren't standing. I need you to stand. Did I get you? Did you stand? I got you. Good. I know I heard one more. Still believe there's one more. Did I get you? The other one? I, I thought I saw. Yeah, good. I got you. Good. Now listen, just stand if that's you. I got three people. You're still in your chair. You have arthritic symptoms. It's in your body. I'm seeing hips. I see some arthritis symptoms. If you looked for it, you could find it. And for some reason, you're still in your chair. Stand to your feet. I got you, I got you, and I got you. Good. Thank you. Don't make me call out anything else. Just get to your feet. I'm a good fisherman. Don't make me go fishing. I fish too much. <laughs> Don't I, Pastor? <clears throat> why would I hear those couple things, and why would we be waiting as late as it is, and why would I get those couple little words? Because that's how much people matter to God. And this is real. And he's about to show up. And he doesn't want you sitting in your seat for any reason. He wants you standing in faith. I promise you that's what's happening. Yeah? Do we got everybody? We got, I got, I got. It's your right wrist. There's something going on in your wrist. You're losing strength. It hurts a little. You can't grip and lift things up. And you didn't stand up. You're in your seat. And there's something wrong in your right wrist. Is that you? Come on, man. Who is that? You said that's not you? Okay. I thought you when you were away, you were laughing and doing that. Come on, when that thing doesn't go away, you just know it's God. You've done this a long time and you're like, okay, it's not like you missed it, Pastor. Somebody with their wrist, that shouldn't be a big deal. You should be able to say, okay, man, I'm getting prayer. Did you stand up? Did somebody, did I get you? Yeah? Okay. Now here's what I need you to do. Lift a hand, just one hand real high so we don't lose you in a minute. Just leave it up. The people in their chairs. Now, you came to this conference. This is all about kingdom. So if you're nervous and uncomfortable, I want you on my team more than you know. Because you ain't going to rely on you. If you're scared, get on my team. If you say, I don't want to do this, please do this. If you say, I'm nervous, I say, okay, good. But what I need you to do by simple faith is get out of your chair and go, don't pray yet. Just go claim somebody and say, hey, I've never done this before. <laughs> just go claim somebody. Just say, hey, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to pray. Just go find somebody. The people sitting, you're my prayer team. One-on-one -on -one until we get everybody covered, and then you can gather around. When they claim you, don't pray yet. When they claim you, put your hand down. Only keep your hand up if you're waiting for somebody to find you. If you got a partner, put it down. Put your hand down if you have a partner. Only leave your hand up if you're waiting. 
I got, I got one, two, three, four people over here waiting. I got people over here waiting. Yeah, you guys are running. This is good. They're coming. Jesus is on the way. He's coming. Woo! Yay. Right down front here. I got one lady down front. Oh, I got a girl. Can't wait to get up here and get a hold of you. I see her coming. Up front, right up in the front row, dear. Yep, you'll see her. Is everybody claimed? Does everybody have a partner? Did we miss anybody? Okay, now watch this. Remember, your prayer doesn't heal anybody. Never has, never will. It's your faith in his finished work. Who believes that God loves people? Who believes that what Jesus did on the cross is what was necessary to bring redemption, restoration, and healing to people's lives? So, so it's all about him. So our faith is in who? In him and what he accomplished because of his love for people. Now, who knows we can be sincere and live this way. So I'm going to give you like five seconds to pray. Six, and then I'm going to say, okay, wrap it up. Here's what I want you to do real quick. Just do a three-second deal. Tell your person why you stood up and what your situation is in three seconds. Don't give them the long story version. Just tell them. Just tell them. Bone on bone, rotator cuff, scoliosis. Just three seconds, you should know. Y'all good? Everybody good? Okay, come on back up here. We'll do this as a family. The reason I did that, Matthew 17, faith will say, and it's concerning sickness. It was epilepsy. That whole chapter is concerning sickness. That promise says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say the mountain move and the mountain will what? And guess what? And nothing will be impossible for you. He doesn't say God for you. Ah! So here's what we're going to do. That thing they told you in three seconds, that's the mountain we're going to tell to move. So if they said, I have a torn rotator cuff, rotator cuff, you'd be completely healed, restored, no more pain in Jesus' name. If they told you I was the one that stood up, I had degenerate knees, he had called a couple of us out, you just tell them that, watch. Knees, be completely made whole. Bend, flex, no more pain in Jesus' name. Who knows you can speak to the mountain, be sincere, and do it in less than five seconds. Not get self-conscious, not get wordy in your prayer, not slip over into works and just make it all about him loving people. Are you with me? Okay, so no matter what they told you, you know how you can speak to the mountain, right? And you can do it in five or six seconds or less. I'm doing that for your sake so nobody gets caught up in just trying to find faith through their prayer. Because our faith is in him. Do you ever see somebody pray and then pray harder and then say, well, let me try this. And then somebody else steps in and says, let me pray. And then they, the next thing you know, it's like everybody's taking a stab at it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing that tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so look at your person real quick as if they're valuable and worth the blood of Jesus or something. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> no, good. Y'all ready? Okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to pray over that thing, five, six seconds, give them the kingdom in Jesus' name. When I say wrap it up, you you don't have to just stop cold. The Holy Spirit's not leaving, right? I'm just saying wrap it up. So that means you finish out what you're believing in the name of Jesus. After they pray, the only thing I want you people being prayed for is the first group was believing. He has to love me or he'd have never sent his son. It's important. When people go through stuff, sometimes they've been prayed for 20, 30, 40, 100 times. They start wondering, wonder what I did wrong, wonder what God's trying, wonder what... All of a sudden, they start questioning this. When you're questioning this, when you have questions, you don't have a revelation. It'd be good to throw all that away 
and just say, man, you know what? I'm going back to square one. I'm going to stick with what I know. I'm not going to let the questions change what my heart knows. If you didn't love me, you'd have never sent your son. So thank you for loving me. I want you right there tonight and for the rest of your life. Amen? The person praying for you, five seconds of sincere faith, and that's in watch and see what God does. When I say wrap it up, boom, you just thank God he loves you. And then I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of lead this thing. I want you guys to begin to check your bodies sincerely without exaggeration. I don't want you looking at the big brown eyes of the young girl that just prayed for you and thinking, I can't tell her I still have pain. I feel great, honey. I don't want that. I, I want you healed. Okay? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why you're laughing. So watch this. The one we don't talk about enough is wonder if nothing seems to happen, wonder if nothing changes. You never have permission to sign off and run your mind and shift your heart. Watch this. When I pray for the sick in my personal life and even in these groups, here's, here's what I see all the time. I see people healed instantly. I see people somewhat healed to where they know they've changed, but not all the way. And I see some people that just seems like nothing changed. The third one's the one we dread and the one we let influence us. So when people don't feel their body changed, they go, man, I knew. See, I didn't. Man, I never get healed. I no, stop that. Don't turn faith into a point in time. It's not a hit, miss, win, or lose. It's God, you love me, and you're doing the work, and I appreciate it. Watch, this isn't a cop-out. Faith understands what I'm saying. Cynicism doesn't. Unbelief doesn't. But faith understands what I'm saying. Watch this. Tonight, I don't want anybody throwing in the towel and changing anything. And you watch and see what God begins to do in this room. So if we pray for you and nothing seems to change, you just tell your person, no, but it, it seems the same that it was before you prayed. But man, thanks for believing with me. And you might even grab them and pray another five seconds, speak right over that thing, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out what's going on in the room. And when somebody knows they're healed, they're going to go like this and let me know. We're going to take a couple testimonies. As you hear the testimony, then I want you to say, wow, God, you're so good. I, see, I can tell you healed him. I see that in their face when they're talking. That's awesome. Thanks for loving us, and thank you for healing, and thank you for healing me. And then check your body again. Hear another testimony. Thank God, and check your body again. Do not ever do this. Man, I don't know why I'm not being healed. Look, that's four people already said, now look, seven people healed, and here I stand. I'm going to feel so stupid. There's got to be something wrong. Something's got to be blocking my healing. Yeah, you, that. <laughs> Throw that all away tonight for the rest of your life. And stay thankful, appreciate God, what God's doing, and believe he's doing it in you. And I call it popcorn in a bag. It's like popcorn in a bag. You ever see that happen in the microwave? Bag starts swelling, then you hear one, then you hear two, and then you hear 10, and then you hear 25, and then you can't count. I'm trusting we're going to see popcorn in a bag tonight. So we ain't backing off. We're going to watch what faith does, watch how faith works, and watch what God does through faith is what I mean by faith does. Does that make sense? You all ready? You didn't forget what you're praying for, did you? <laughs> okay. You all ready? Five, six seconds, sincere faith because of what Jesus did. Give your people the kingdom. Go ahead. Right now. Pray for your person. Really good. Okay, that, man, I gave you like seven, eight seconds. No, that's good. Wrap it up. Start to wrap it up. Just that means in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Yep, just wrap it up. 
Wrap it up. Okay, guys, we prayed. We prayed. I know we're having fun. I did keep the room dry. We didn't play music. But we're just believing him and his goodness, and he's in the room. So thank him. He loves you, or he'd have never sent his son. And I need you to all begin to check your bodies for me. Sincerely, check your bodies for me. Check your bodies. When you know you're healed, when you know you're healed, I need you to let me know. You know already? I saw your face light up. I was like, I think she's already healed. No, that's beautiful. That's exciting for you, isn't it? No, I saw your face light up from here out. All these people, I was like, dude. If you know you're healed, let me know who you are. You know for sure. Absolutely. You healed? Okay, good, good. No, that's beautiful. Anybody else, you know you're healed. Let me know. You know for sure? Okay, good. No, that's beautiful. Come on, God. Take your time. Check your bodies. Stay with me here. Stay with me. Anybody else, you know you're healed. Go like this if you know you're healed. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let me ask this question. Just stay with me. I know it's late. Who knows you're somewhat healed? You're just not all the way healed, so you didn't raise your hand, but you know you're better than you were. Go like this all at the same time so I can just get an idea of what's going on. Okay, look at that. That's a lot of movement. That's good. Okay, I need somebody that was healed, somebody that was totally healed. Where were you? There's a handful of you. Yeah, what, what, what's your story? What happened? Oh, wow. And I, I can't do this. Look at that. That's, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Ah, come on. Thank God he's a healer. Continue to check your bodies. Stay thankful tonight. Stay in faith and continue to check your bodies. Who else was healed? You know you were healed and that's a testimony. Ma'am. Okay. As long as you can remember, it's been like that. And all of a sudden now, it's not doing it at all. Does it never just not do it? Or it, you can find it if you look for it? What? Like a, that's what I'm asking. So when you sit down, it happens. So sit down for me. Jump up. Sit down. Jump up. Oh. Not happening at all? Probably not a coincidence, right? Amen. Who prayed for you? Who prayed for you? You're telling me Jesus is in that man? I believe it. Who else was healed? Were you saying you were? Okay. See, they're your elbows. You know that's been real for you since June. And right now you can't even find nothing. It's like totally awesome. Is that right? That's so good. Check your bodies one more time for me. If you had nothing changed, check your bodies. Check your bodies in Jesus' name. Anybody else, just since they're testifying, anybody else feel their body get all the way whole? Just Did that just happen or has it been healed? Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. You got healed? You laid hands on somebody else and you got healed? That's a pretty good deal right there. 
So you mean you can actually pray for people even if you have stuff going on in your own body and life? That's great. So you know you're healed? Your body changed? What was it? Can you tell? Is it? But you just know it's, it's good. That's so good. Anybody else? Checking your bodies. Anybody else? You know you're, you're healed all the way. You're all the way healed. Anybody else? We had a whole lot of people that were somewhat healed. Let's do this real quick. Who's my people that were somewhat healed? You just didn't raise your hand because you're not 100%. Raise your hands. Is your person still here? They should be still here. If they're here, grab them and put your hand down if they have you. You're not getting a new person. Your person's plenty. <laughs> we're not giving you who they had. No, no, stop. Oh, I know how we talk and think. You're not getting a new person. Your person's plenty. His name is Jesus. So who was somewhat healed? You're just not all the way, so you didn't raise your hand yet. Do you have your person? Let's do this. This will be fun. Pray five more seconds. Just take five seconds and say, pray the same thing you believe. Don't, don't, don't add. Don't emphasize. Don't, Jesus. Just sincerely pray and believe the same thing you prayed the first time, and then speak to that thing and watch it move. Would you do it right now, five seconds, that group of people? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Man, that's good. No, that's great. That's great. You guys know the drill. Come on, work with me. Start checking your bodies. Thank you, Lord. I just believe he's teaching us what it means to really just believe and not let things change what we believe. Check your bodies. These are people that were already somewhat healed anyway. They were already feeling it's changing. Check your bodies. Anybody go all the way on me? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anybody else go all the way? Check them. Take your time. Make sure you know. I don't want exaggeration. I, I want real true results here. Anybody else? You know you all the way. Anybody, anybody, anybody. Check it, check it, check it, check it. Thank you, Lord. Who was, who's my over here? You're all the way? All the way? Who else? That's good. No, that's beautiful. You went all the way. Can you yell out so they can hear? Tell us what was going on and how much you were healed the first time. What did you experience? I had total and bone, completely healed out. Completely. You were bone on bone? And it was hurting, like to do that would have been like not cool. Yeah, and it's totally awesome. What happened the first time they prayed? How much did you notice? To, about how much? Okay, so watch this. That's just all healing. It's not like, boy, I wonder why I'm walking in 40% anointing. Come on, I've just been around us. I know. No, God, you're moving. Man, you're doing like, like, you have one response as a Christian. Thank you for loving me and what you're doing. Thank you for the redemption of my life. It's not all this heady stuff and a, a million questions and turmoil and what's wrong with me. It's God, you're good and you love me and you're doing a work and I thank you for it. Man, if you live there, that's how things change. Does that make sense? So you were about 40% and then they prayed that last time. Boom, all the way. Who else went all the way? Yeah, what happened? Right? About 50% degenerative arthritis stuff. So you just feel like really good. No, that's awesome. It's hard probably to describe, right? 
So you just felt a little bound up. You felt limited. You just could tell there was something wrong. And it's going now. Is it going? Going. Good. No, that's so beautiful. Come on, guys. It's just simple, five-second sincere faith, guys. We can all live this way. Every one of us. Anybody else? Check your bodies. Somebody else. I just feel like somebody's got to be changing here. Just normally what I see is change. <laughs> you can throw ball now with dad. He can catch any throw. Check him one more time. And I'm about done, but has anybody else changed? Did anybody else get healed since we're testifying? You did? Yeah? And you were somewhat. You were in the somewhat group. Because I remember you raised your hand. I just remember seeing you and smiling. You went all the way now? You've been checking it? How many times did you all pray? Twice. So wonder if we draw conclusions after the first time. Wonder if we say the results determine the will of God. Wonder if we just stop believing because one prayer said this or that or the other when the word says what it says. See, I think there's a simple lesson here. Let's just let faith be faith and let's never stop believing God's goodness and what he paid for. And let's just keep believing God, period. And never let results or the lack of results dictate what we believe, but let his word be enough. Is that fair? Who here, the last group, who here, we've been praying for you, but nothing seemed to change, and it's the same as it was when we started. Just be honest. You're not getting another person. <laughs> and let me see your hands. Nothing changed. Nothing changed since we started. Is your person still here? If they're still here, just say, hey, just say, I'm right here. I'm going to stand with you and put your hand down. Only leave your hand up if your person left and bailed on you. We got everybody. You still need a person? You need a person? Can I have a young lady come up and stand with her, please? Is somebody available to pray for her? We got everybody covered? Now, this is a group where nothing changed. This is the one that we struggle with the most because the people in that position are listening to some testimonies. And I've just learned over the years, especially pastorally because I've been involved in this stuff, is people think about this stuff. And then they leave and they wonder, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to change? Instead of just, God, thank you for being so good and doing a work in me. I so appreciate how you love me. Thank you for the redemption of my life. You crawl in bed at night and a hip grabs you and you just got to pray for it instead of going, man, here I go. I thought tonight was going to be the night. Why am I never healed? God, when are you going to do this? Instead, Father, I just thank you that you love me. Man, and I don't even know what's going on in this hip, but I know this. You love me. You're good and you're doing a work in me. Thank you for making all things new. Crawl in bed and go to bed by faith, right? That's how the hip changes. I promise that's how the hip changes. So these are, this is a group, nothing seemed to have changed until now. Let's do five more seconds, and then I'll get you all out of here, okay? And, and I'm sorry it's so late. Would you do five more seconds? This is a group where nothing changed. Just pray for them. The same prayer that you believed, pray the same thing you prayed. Five seconds. Believe God. Go ahead. Jesus' name. That's really good. Nope, that's good. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen? Okay, my last group. Check your bodies. My last group. This is the group that nothing has changed this, this whole time we've been checking. But we just prayed one more time. Who changed in my last group? Who knows that they changed somewhat or all the way? Is there anybody that changed all the way or somewhat in that last group? Somewhat or all the way? Somewhat. How much percent? Check it. Check it for me. Really check it. Yeah. 
I'm actually feeling excited about you just looking at you. I'm like, I, I think something's going on good. But nothing changed up until that last time. So it was exactly the way it was each time you checked it. But that last time, all of a sudden, you're like, uh-oh. Guys, what's that teach you right there? If we draw conclusions and stop believing and get our belief based on our experience, we're going to be way deceived. So what's, what are you saying? Like, you, you're really like, you're so close. Like, you're like, yeah? No, that's beautiful. Sometimes it's hard to explain when it's your body and it's symptomatic. Anybody else? Who's changed it all that last time we prayed and you changed something since then? Anybody else? Anybody in the room? You did? Somewhat? About how much? Guys, 50%, nothing up until then. We just keep believing. We're speaking to the mountain. We're living in faith. Do you understand what we're saying here and what we're doing and why I'm taking time? Because, man, if you know what I'm saying, like we have let this stuff rule our belief system. Wouldn't you say that's fair? And let's just stay in faith. Is there anybody else? I just feel like there's still some movement in bodies. Yeah? Something changed? Yeah. Somewhat? Enough to acknowledge it. It left? Okay, a good bit of it. Are you 70% healed? 30% maybe. Left or healed? 30% left. Left, yeah, 70%. I was just like 70% healed. That's why I said 70. So you're 70% healed, and you didn't, nothing changed up until that last time, and you just checked it, and it's changed. I believe so, yeah. That's pretty awesome. What's this teaching us, guys? Right behind you. You said you just changed? Somewhat? How much? Oh, whoa, I saw you, you've been checking, you've been doing this thing, right, right, okay, because there's a lot of people, but, so now you're looking and you're, you're saying, I think it's good, so how many times were you prayed for? Four times, nothing changed until that fourth time. Oh, okay, and then you're like, no, it's still, so you kept checking. I saw you checking, and now you're checking and going, what? Guys, I don't know about you, but get childlike with me. Like, I'm excited about that stuff. Like, who's seen people pray for something, and if it doesn't happen, they say, well, I guess it wasn't the will of God. Well, maybe they just don't have faith. Maybe they got some hidden agenda, some hidden sin. There's all this stuff. When you're representing the kingdom, you're supposed to have faith. You're giving people Christ. And don't let any reason be good enough not to be able to give him. And let's just keep believing. So here you are four times, and all of a sudden, boom, your eye changed. Several times, and all of a sudden, you're saying, man, I'm 70% better. Out of the blue, boom. I think the Lord's teaching us something very powerful. Yeah, anybody else change anymore? Yeah? Uh-huh. Wait, wait, stop. Can you hear how excited she is? Can you see her sincerity? Like, you have to believe this lady. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm just touched by you. You can tell it. Yeah, yeah. And you're just being thankful and believing, and you're feeling this thing unfold and happen, right? Look at you. Yes. Amen. I'm just excited about this. I mean, what's he teaching us? Anybody else? I just feel like we got to get some more popcorn in this bag. Anybody else feel like you're changing? Yeah, right here? So you hadn't changed at all up until now? 
Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Okay, I see what you're saying. Good. So you're just like, God, you got me. You got this. You love me. There's just a knowing coming into your heart. Have you ever struggled with those things, like just knowing, believing God's love for you, your value, your purpose? Yeah? I just feel like God's, I really, I feel prophetic, like, like God's affirming that for you tonight. And you're, you're just experiencing something that's really good to you. You're like, this is good. It's just affirmation. Wrap your arm around her and just hug her for a minute. Yeah. No, watch this. I just, I just, I just, Father, you just thank you. You're never alone, never afraid, always loved and always with you. I just pray, Lord, you seal these things in her heart. And this night alone, this revelation alone, just changes so many things in her life in a very beautiful and powerful way. You are so loved by God, ma'am. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Anybody else change? I just, I'm sorry. I don't really, I'm probably not on a time clock myself. But anybody else change? Anybody? Okay, so listen. If you changed, if you somewhat changed, or you didn't change yet, we all have the same response. And that's where you're going to find faith every time. Father, you're good. What you're doing is amazing. And thanks for loving me. I so appreciate it. You're going to live there for the rest of your life? Can we pray for people for the rest of our lives? Can we touch and release simple faith and just stay simple and believe him for the rest of our lives? I believe we can. Father, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right.